35 years is a while, <laughs> a little more than half my lifetime. As I said earlier, most of you were not here then in this meeting house at the occasion of my ordination. Some of you weren't yet here on the planet, I expect. But we're here this morning, and as I reflect upon this 35-year anniversary for me and for the congregation, I'm moved to preach about the nature of ministry in our liberal tradition, ordained ministry and the ministries we share, each of us have in the world and that we have together in our congregations, and why our shared ministry matters. And I'll begin fairly personally, specifically about my ordination and the days and weeks leading up to it, my reflections at that time, and backing up a bit further to begin with. Now, I never knew my mother's father, my grandfather, Howard Jurgen. He died suddenly a few weeks before I was born, and I was given his name, Howard, as my middle name. Yet, though I never knew him, as I grew into adulthood, I came to understand and honor the legacy of my grandfather, Reverend Howard Jurgen, himself a liberal Presbyterian minister, involved early in the ecumenical movement, a preacher who called people to rise to their best selves, as I think all preachers try to do. And so in reading some of his sermon notes, I chose to include his words as the first words of that collection of readings spoken at my ordination. We heard them earlier. Who would you like to be? One must make a choice, for one cannot be everything. It seemed to me that he'd written the words precisely for me at that time in my life. During the weeks and months approaching my ordination, I had significant doubts about the course of my life. You've never doubted, of course, so you wouldn't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> doubts about the meaning and relevance of ministry and of religion, even Unitarian Universalism. What was I about to do? Yet my grandfather was reminding me that even in the midst of doubts, I needed to choose. Not choosing itself is a choice, right? One can get stuck forever debating a proper course and never walking any particular path for any length of time. And after all, Emerson said, as we heard, that I, as a minister, he was speaking to ministers, should let others know I have doubted too. So I didn't cancel the ordination. <laughs> and it wasn't so much that I moved completely away from doubt, not at all, that I began to find ways to include my doubts and my questions as part of my path. Doubt is a companion, I wrote in my journal at the time. It contains, doubt does, I sense, great energy and can be drawn upon. It's like a Zen koan leading me forward if I would but follow and listen. A few days later I wrote, there is a place in the world for those who wonder, who ask questions. Someone needs to be up and around asking questions. There are a lot of levels to that these days. <laughs> Otherwise, I continued, we might as well be dead before we die. Two weeks closer to my ordination, I added, the doubt is the doubt about life. And the good in ministry for me is, among other things, I continued, that it becomes a crucible, ministry becomes a crucible for existential doubt and ambivalence. It allows me no escape from the dilemmas, dilemmas of living, good, I wrote. 
In short, I was beginning to articulate something for myself that I suppose I should have known, we should all know, that ministry, all of our ministries, it's a calling into which we're meant to bring everything. Everything. Our doubts as well as our faith, our fear as well as our love, our complacency as well as our passions. Everything, a full catastrophe as Zorba once put it. For leaving anything out leaves us less than whole, which means less than fully human. And so the lines from Mae Sarton, part of one of her poems, which have long been a touchstone for me in my life and ministry. You can look it up, it's called Santos, New Mexico. Her lines, return to the most human, nothing less will teach the angry spirit, the bewildered heart, the torn mind to accept the whole of its duress and pierced with anguish at last act for love. And this is, of course, a call to all of us, lay and ordained, to all of us in the shared ministry of religious community to return over and over again to the most human. Which means we must not turn away from May Sarton's words, from our anger, our bewilderment, our duress, or anything else. But rather find these as doors. And sometimes, of course, we need to give ourselves a rest. We can't face these uh, sometimes demons all the time. That's not healthy for the soul. But in the end, when we're able, they become doors, seems to me, to love in the midst of everything. Because they are doors to the humanity that we share. Well, as the day of my ordination grew yet closer, I apparently became more clear about all this. I wrote in my journal, my ordination needs somehow to encompass heights and depths. Life can be so terrible, difficult, empty, meaningless. Life can be so delightful, easy, full, and richly meaningful. Much of ministry, I wrote, is being there for all of the above. Present for all of the above. That's why among the readings I chose that day were also selections about awakening to joy and amazement, the miracle of life. Thoreau, we must learn to reawaken and keep ourselves awake by an infinite expectation of the dawn. Whitman, I see something of God each hour of the 24 and each moment then. And it all does move towards love, doesn't it? As we heard May Sarton, at last, act for love. Wendell Berry, love one another or die as a law of the universe. Excuse me, Willa Cather, where there is great love, there are always, remember what she said? Miracles. Now you'll remember. Where there is great love, there are always miracles. And the rabbi Jesus teaching us not just to love our neighbor, but our enemy. It all moves towards love like rivers to the sea, but we, we can choose or not to go with that flow. For if the words return to the most human invite us to awakening and being present to life in all of its dimensions, terrible, wonderful, despairing, faithful, all of it, then how can we do anything else for our fellow despairing and joyful creatures but choose love and make no mistake, love, yes, it's a feeling, but it's also a choice. We can choose to turn towards one another 
or away. We can choose to ignore another's suffering or respond to it. We can choose to be kind or to be cruel. We can choose to hold on to or let go of resentments. None of this is necessarily easy, of course, but we can choose. And I'd further suggest that in the midst of all this awakening to life in every dimension, moving towards and choosing love, there's room for God, by whatever name we would call God. In fact, the God of many names and beyond all names may be what it's all about most fundamentally, for yes, we begin with the human, that's my starting point anyway, with all that we know and experience firsthand. But being fully human includes, seems to me, leaving the door wide open, not only to doubt, but to faith, by which I would mean experience, a mystical dimension of amazement and wonder captured in Whitman's exuberant surplus of words and to the mystery and presence beyond words. Call it what you will. After all, the name that can be named, as Lao Tzu put it, is not the eternal name. So the day of my ordination dawned as beautiful as this autumn day, 20 years, uh, 35 years ago, in this Cambridge First Parish Meeting House, we gathered to the splendid sounds of the then newly rebuilt organ. We sang together. We shared the readings, some of which you've heard. The sermon was preached by the supervisor of my student ministry at our UU Church in San Francisco, Reverend Stan Stefancic. He lifted up in particular our heritage of the free mind, the value of study and contemplation for ministers in particular but for all of us as we strive to bring a humanizing, historically informed influence upon our lives and upon the great issues of our time. Reverend Ed Lane, your minister here in Cambridge at the time, charged the congregation to remember your part in shaping particular ministry and particular ministries. For he noted that the word ordination has to do with, uh, it connotes something worn, something woven we weave ministry together. And Reverend Herb Vetter, director of Cambridge Forum, where I was serving at the time, with words I can only hope and strive still to live up to, charged the minister, this guy, first to be who I am, and then to care, which itself is hard sometimes, isn't it? To find that deeper authenticity, and then to care, 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 he said, as pastor to the people I serve through life passages, challenges, and celebrations. And he said, to dare to be a prophet in a dangerous world, words more true than ever. He concluded with the exhortation to exemplify the relevant reverend, the type of liberal religious leader needed in our time as we move towards the 21st century. And then his closing words, be a minister who was ordained to facilitate the ministry of everyone for the sake of all. Creating awareness, he said, that all of us are called to be ministers practicing our religious vocation in our daily lives. It was in that universal spirit that I had chosen the words attributed to Chief Seattle, reminding us that the earth is sacred, that we're all connected and connected to all that lives all brothers and sisters, after all. 
So I was ordained to the Unitarian Universalist ministry here, ordained by one congregation to serve, this is how it works, to serve wherever my path would lead, my calling. In retrospect, I see that the weaving of my ministry began more than the 35 years ago at the ordination, even more than almost twice as long uh, of my life, since I was shaped to begin with indirectly and genetically by the legacies of my forebears, my own family tree, if you will, but spiritual forebears as well, from the more immediate to the more distant. And the weaving of my ministry has, of course, continued in all the days since my ordination, through continuing study and reflection, through the continuing example and influence and support of the people I love the most dearly, a few of whom are here this morning to share this occasion, as well as consistently and deeply by the people I've served. And for most of these 35 years, it's been the people of First Parish in Hingham, Old Ship Church where I've been moved to tears by the way in which they've returned to the most human as they've faced their trials, griefs, losses, joys, celebrations amidst the miracle and mystery of life. All of this, I'm sure, just like you here. I've been inspired over and again by their responses to the suffering of others in their lives and in the wider world, filled as it is with injustice, war, environmental devastation, devastation and threat, all as they strive, as I know you do. One has only to read your announcements each Sunday, to serve, to be kind, decent, and good, to answer the call of love. And finally, as we've shared in my congregation, the mundane work of the church, I've been moved by their dedication to every aspect of church life, sticking with it and with each other, even in the midst of challenge and occasional conflict, striving always to return to the most human knowing more and more clearly that we are called to affirm the inherent worth and dignity of every person amidst this interdependent web of life we share and to act accordingly, just as I'm sure you do. So all this said and much unsaid today, I reaffirm to you, even though most of you weren't there, but it's your congregation I reaffirm to you my ordaining congregation, my commitment to a shared ministry which strives to hold it all and to hold one another in the midst of whatever may come. A ministry which strives to be radically open to the mystery of life and to awaken and reawaken to the possibilities of and through religious community. Remembering, as you well know, we all do, that ministry which ends at the door to the meeting house or temple or mosque or a church is woefully incomplete. For ministry begins in our hearts, moves to the ways we connect to and care for one another, and completes itself through the ways in which we try with all our hearts together to bless the world and to transform the world towards more justice, peace, harmony with all life, at last and always acting for love. Let us continue, may it be so.